0: That help. Hello. Yeah. All right. Um, the goal and the message, obviously, is to, to encourage you guys to see things the way God sees things. Um, you know, there, there's a whole perspective. Everybody has a, a different perspective and stuff. And um, you know, even on the internet and stuff, we can see one perspective from a vi- short video or from someone's comment and stuff. But it's never really the whole picture. Okay. But God sees everything. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that um, everything is naked and open unto him. There's nothing that's hidden from him. And um, if we could see things the way God sees, we would um, would be doing well, all right? So um, just by way of introduction, the way God sees things is always best. If you could turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Hopefully you know this verse well already. I'm just going to give a bit of introduction and then we'll um, read a portion of scripture that we're going to focus on and pray. But Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, oh wait, am I in the right one? Yeah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God, God's ways are always superior. I mean, it's, it's, I'm stating the obvious here, okay? Um So that's the first truth. And the second part, by way of introduction, is once you're saved, as a born-again believer, we have the ability to discern things spiritually. We did not have that before. When you're unsaved, your spirit was dead, but God quickened us together with Him, and He put His Spirit inside of us. And now we have an an ability, if we would exercise it, to see things spiritually. I won't get you to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 2 it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Where can he know them because they are spiritually discerned? So, obviously, the natural man, there are some things that are, open to, um, but for the spiritual man, um, all things are open unto, unto him. Okay, so when we don't make a conscious effort to see things the way God sees them, we're going to run into a lot of problems. That's why I have a life verse. It's Isaiah twenty-six, three, and it says, "Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee. Trust it in Thee." And um, that's basically a life verse for me because anytime I don't keep my mind stayed on the Lord, I get myself into trouble, and I have regrets and things like that. And um, perfect peace is where our mind is stayed on the Lord, and we have the mind of, of God. Okay, and obviously we're told that in Philippians to have the mind of Christ. Okay, so. Um, and more verses, they say, for to be carnally minded, that's unspiritual, to be carnally minded is death, it says in Romans 8, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, so um, just as we get into our Bibles this morning, I just want to challenge you to um, just examine how, how you see things from a daily point of view. Okay, how mindful are you? Are you? And in this case, we're going to look at spiritual warfare, of the spiritual warfare that's surrounding us. Okay, do you see things the way God sees them? Or do we we tend to perceive them from our own wisdom or from our own point of view, okay? And um, obviously, the goal is to strive to make what God says important to us, that we would value that and we would act upon that, okay? But a lot of the times when we're in the natural man or we're in the flesh, as, as the Bible calls it, and we just kind of go with the flow. And um, like I said, uh, that for me it uh, often makes trouble for me, <laughs> okay? And so this is the goal. This is messages for me as much as it is um, for you guys. And um, so I'm just going to turn, get you guys to turn to 2 Corinthians 6. We'll read some scriptures, and then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians, or no, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Second Kings, my, my, my bad. 2 Kings. All right, well, you guys are used to standing for a scripture, so I'll get you guys all to stand. We're just going to read four verses, and then we'll pray. And you guys can be seated. This is a a habit we have in the church here. So I'm in 2 Kings chapter six, and I'm gonna read, we'll read together from uh, verse eight, and we'll read on to verse 12, okay? So 2 Kings six, verse eight, ready begin. The king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we get to just gather together and hear from your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you'd help me. I'm nothing, Lord, I'm but dust. Um, but I pray, Lord, that you would use me. I pray, Lord, you'd um, just help me, Lord, to um, give this message, Lord, um, to your people, Lord. I pray that you would minister unto hearts, Lord, and um, just open people's eyes, Lord, to what you want them to see. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would um, just be close to us and be in the midst, and that your spirit, Lord, would um, uh, just do whatever it is that you would um, uh, have us to do, Lord, in our lives. So I just pray for your blessing, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us. And um, we just love you, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> All right, so, kind of just going verse by verse through this story. Um, so, first point is to see the warfare. So I've already been talking to you about the fact that there is spiritual warfare, okay? Um Anyone finds out um, just when you're trying to do anything that there's something one author calls resistance. <laughs> and when you try and do something, you know, Pastor was talking about it last week. Um, the good that I would, that I do not. Okay, um, So anytime you want to try and do something that's fruitful, productive, good, there's always a resistance or something like that that happens if you want to get up off of your pillow in the morning. There's always resistance, right? I don't know if you're the same as me, <laughs> but um, pillows and warm duvets and things like that are um are difficult to overcome right <laughs> some for more more, uh, more for some people than others maybe all right so um then in the spiritual realm whether we like warfare is the reality for a christian okay um, obviously the, the bible says when we're on stage you are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do okay so we just did that by na- naturally there wasn't really a lot of battle there that kind of idea but once you're a christian and you change signs now you've got an enemy okay and um, not only from within, but also from without, um, you've got people that are, are forces that are withstanding you, okay? And that's why, um, you know, the Bible talks talks about this a lot. It says that there's wars in your flesh, wars in your mind, warring against your soul, if you know some of those verses that I'm mentioning there, okay? And um, that's why the Bible teaches us to put on the whole armor of God, okay? Um, and that could be awkward, you know, that kind of, I remember, um, uh, you, you know when you when you're learning the Bible and you read it and you say it says put on the whole armor of God and you're like okay yeah I want to do that you know what how do I do that you know that sort of idea so um, this whole spiritual thing isn't very comfortable for us okay but um, it's a reality and we, we we would want to not to ignore it okay um, like back back in history um, for World War II was Ireland a part of World War II officially we were a neutral country we were a non belligerent as it said okay but it became known as the emergency right and then um, it affected every part of the Irish life okay we weren't part of that um, the people who were fighting per se officially but a lot of our our guys went over um, and even the people who stayed um, you know you could I've talked to a few people about them um, you know what life was like there was still rations there was still kind of you know um, uh, obviously the Germans came along and they, and they they uh, accidentally dropped some bombs in Ireland and they didn't mean to, that kind of idea, okay? So I say all that just to say that, you know, if, if someone in the emergency was to try and live like there was no no struggle or no battle, they would have a hard time, okay? And they would probably end up just hurting themselves or, you know, running out of something, or, you know, that kind of idea, okay? And it's the same in the Christian life, okay? If we're gonna go around and imagine that there's no spiritual warfare and there is we don't have an enemy and we don't need to worry about those um those fightings and those struggles within us and within our flesh that we're going to get in trouble fairly quickly okay and um, um, we just need to accept that point that it's a reality so that was where I got that from 2nd um, Kings 6 verse 8 then the king of Syria warred against Israel it was a fact and um, basically um, the king of Israel had to had to accept that <laughs> and address it okay um, but as I said there um, you know because it's not easily so easily perceived it could be a problem to us, you know. One I just mentioned there about putting on the armour of God, but two, even seeing the fight in the first place. Okay, if you turn to Luke, um, I'll be coming back to Second Kings six. Maybe if you want to put a bookmark there or something in like that. But for the moment, if we go to Luke, Luke, Luke nine, and maybe I'll read a little bit more just for context. So while you're turning there to Luke 9, I'm just going to start um, a little bit early in 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, that's talking about Jesus, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, 52, and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou, command that, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? And then Jesus' response here in 55, but he turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Okay, so here's an example here where James and John, they're just reacting in the flesh. They're just going about, you know, and, and thinking in their own mind what what what's best to do. Okay, and Jesus said, Oh no, you're 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 not of the right spirit here. You're not seeing this situation in the right light, and obviously you can see the result of that is it would have been destructive if they were to carry that out. And um, Jesus is, was not come for that purpose. He was come to seek and save those who were lost. Okay. So in the same way, when we come across a battle in our home or things like that, um, we got to watch what spirit. You know, <laughs> maybe when someone cuts in front of you in the car in the car and you're on the road, <laughs> got to watch what spirit you're of. <laughs> um, but also, you know. Um, just in daily life, like coming to church this morning, I wondered did anyone experience a bit of resistance in coming to church? Sometimes that could be the morning when the, the kids, uh, you know, they uh, like Colin this morning. He pulled down his pot and uh, plant pot, and there was, you know, uh, soil all over the place and in in the, the dining room. And then we're like, yeah, yeah, we could fix it up. So we get the Hoover, and then the Hoover bag was actually like full to the brim. <laughs> and then I took Anita because uh, we stayed in Ballancolli. And she's like, no, no, we don't have any Hoover bags at all, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And it's just, why is it just so much extra harder on a Sunday morning to try and get something so simple done? <laughs> and maybe, uh, you know, maybe you might be distracted with something, and the, the breakfast is, you know, burning or this kind of stuff. Okay, those things, you know, we could look at those things and say, you know, oh, that's just the way that happens, or whatever. It could happen at any morning, and it could, okay. But sometimes there's a spiritual element we don't quite see that clearly, but um, you'd be surprised, okay. And um, we just have to be careful, okay, because it's not just readily available in front of us. So if we're back in 2 Kings, oh, yeah, yeah. Just as a final point, just your foundation of this whole message is to see that warfare, see that spiritual warfare. And the Bible even talks about it saying, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. (laughs) Okay? So, um,. If you are, let's say, from a previous example, just trying to get a church and all that kind of stuff, don't be surprised when <laughs> all this sort of crazy stuff happens and you're like, what's going on? This isn't normal. Monday morning seems a little easier, and even, even though people don't like Mondays, right? <laughs> so um, just don't be surprised. when, um, And that's, that's a trivial example, I know. And uh, things can obviously build and be much worse. But I'll get to that later, OK? So first age there, back in Second Kings 6, see the warfare, OK? But the next thing then is um, what we find out here as far as spiritual warfare, says in verse 9, and the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. Uh, all right. Let me get this one. So how do we address spiritual warfare even if we did recognize that it was going on? Okay. Well, the steps here, there might be a couple of different ways you can approach it. But what happened here was when the warfare or the warring began the man of god sent unto the king of israel okay and he gave him a message okay so um i just have written down here listening is our first line of defense in this case you know elisha warns the king and when you're in your bible or well especially when you're at church and things like that or if you're with christian friends and you're talking about maybe spiritual things about things that are going on in your life um you're, there's going to be advice given there's going to be warnings. Okay, so in this case there was a warning given and obviously um, If you know preaching at, at all preaching is a lot of warning reprove rebu- Rebuke and then exhort with all long-suffering doctrine So there are going to be warnings that you're going to hear that are to be, going to be relevant to whatever it is that you're going through Okay, so and um, that's why the Bible says to be sober and be vigilant and it teaches about not being ignorant of Satan's devices okay his wiles are his strategies okay? So some warnings that we could give this morning is to, um, you know, some things um, I thought of here are don't become numb to the wonderful works of God. You know, as a Christian, I've been a Christian. Um, Two thousand six, I got saved, and um, you know, when you first get saved, uh, I, probably people have talked to you about that. But that whole feeling of when you first get saved and everything is so fresh and so new and exciting, and everything is so clear, and you know, you. You go door knocking, and you're wondering why everyone isn't coming out to church. <laughs> and um, you're talking to your friends, and you're like, "Why don't you see what I see here? This is amazing, you know. You wouldn't believe this video I saw, you know, but the whole concept of creation. I've been t- taught evolution all my life, and you're just talking and talking about it all, you know, and it's so exciting. And then after a while, you know, from the reactions possibly you get from people, it all kind of just gets. Oh, right. It's, is it not as special as I thought it was in the first place, or? you know, or we get used to it and we just rattle off verses, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever in himself shall perish but have everlasting life. La, 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 that's truth there, but that shouldn't be misused. That is amazing, that's amazing truth that God so loved the world, you know. Um, but as a Christian, sometimes when you when you kind of get down the road, you you leave, you know, like in, in the case of marriages, if you leave the honeymoon period, that special bubble where the other person can never do any wrong, and reality hits, <laughs> alright? and. Um, you know, what would we say our counsel in the, in the whole marriage situation, we would say, you know, you gotta, you know, like Jesus says in Revelation, get back to your first love and, you know, to um, uh, invest in, in the relationship and put some extra stuff in there and try and make it sweet again and get that fire burning again, that kind of idea, okay? So in the same way, you know, we need to, uh, the warning is not to become numb to the wonderful works of God and to stay full of awe and stay worshipful towards the Lord, you know, um, see him high and lifted up and in the beauty of his holiness, it's just, you know, that's one of the reasons why we stay in our Bibles and things like that and we stay in church okay and to always be grateful okay because you can expect a lot of stuff you know when people just keep receiving you know we're receiving many things, blessings from the Lord but you know a lot of people can like get up in the morning and just ex- expect that to happen like you know but that's that's, that's rude plainly really to stay grateful for um, the goodness of God which leads us leads on to repentance okay so that's one warning or don't get used to the fact that we're going to heaven I'm kind of on the same point here but, you know, the Bible says to rejoice always. And uh, it is an amazing thing that we've even just gotten another day to spend here on earth. And the, t- the opportunities that we have today, we got to come to church, we've got to fellowship with one another, you know, um, we've got to see our families and things like that. So it's just good to stay thankful, to stay rejoicing. And um, also not, not to get used to the fact that many people are going to hell. You know, that, that for me is hard. Sometimes I just don't think like that, you know, and it doesn't come naturally to a person again, that's a spiritually discerned thing. Um, but I remember when I was first saved, everything was, you know, it's just so amazing to see. I was um, sitting somewhere with um, Roots brother, Joel, and I was like, we were, we were sitting, having McDonald's and looking out over this big area. And I said to, to Joel, I was just thinking about it, and I said, you know, how many of these guys do you think are saved, you know? And Joel was eating his burger. He's like, what? You know, we just thinking about it, you know, or, do you want some more ketchup, you know, <laughs> this kind of stuff, that kind of thing, you know. But. Um, that you know, we're obviously. If I start talking about food, everyone's saying, "You know, oh yeah." Um, but the spiritual things are just not as readily understandable or experienced, and it's something that we need to exercise. So, um, just just a few warnings and things like that. Um, and in this case, in warfare, it would be silly not to say, "Don't try and fight sin and Satan in your own power." Okay? Because the Bible says, "Without me, you can do nothing." All right? And um, believe me, I've tried. <laughs> I'm sure some of you have tried to to fight sin and Satan in your own power. And um, It's painful and fruitless, (laughs) okay? Um, So, you know, the same way we would say that it's all Jesus to get saved, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But the same way, you're not going to walk in the Spirit without Jesus either, okay? That's the only truth you should be living by, the only way that you should be walking. And, um, you know, like Paul rebuked the Galatians, he said, you know, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the law, okay? By the works of the flesh. And no, we have to continue, you know, I always try and say, you know, we have to continue living with that same attitude, like when we got saved, you know, or, or surrendered unto the Lord, you know, um, like pastor likes to say in Acts 9, Lord, what will thou have me to do when Saul fell to the ground, all right? So, um, just a few warnings, um, and we just need to hear them, okay? If we're not listening, do you ever try and tell your kids something and they're not listening? <laughs> all right? All um, right same for us. Um, we can hear some stuff the Bible says God can say it twice to us and we're, we're still kind of like oblivious of it. All right. So let's first see the warfare and then listen. Listen to what the Lord has to say to you. Okay. And then the next step from verse 10 here in 2 Kings 6 it says, And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. Not even once or twice. All right. So um. The first line of defense is listening, listening out, okay, for instructions of the Lord. What would the Lord have you to do? What way should you walk? What reaction should you have? And then, obviously, the second line of defense, then, is obedience. What do I have there? Proverbs 21, 31. We might as well turn there. Proverbs 21, 31. So hold your finger in uh, Second Kings 6. Where am I going here now? Whoops. These are very basic points, I've heard them since Sunday school, maybe if you've been saved that long, okay? But um, Paul and Peter, you know, they talk about the fact that it's safe for, me, for them to repeat these basic truths, okay? It's never harmful to just make sure we're back to basics and we've got our foundations right. Proverbs 21:31 says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord, okay? So safety was here. Upon listening to the warning that the, that Elisha the prophet gave unto the king of Israel, he had a choice, and he decided to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving his own him, his own self. Okay. And the same way, when we hear stuff, a lot of people will have a good advice for you. Okay. If you say, "I have this this such a thing is going on in my house or in my garden or with my car," you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh yeah, I have the thing for you now. We should just you know." Do this and do that, and you'll be sorted tomorrow. That kind of idea, okay? A lot of people give you some good advice, okay? Um, it's one thing getting good advice, but it's another thing hearing it, and it's another thing again actually acting out upon it. All right? So every one of us has a free will, and we can decide. You know, a lot of us you know. You know, sometimes when I'm um, talking to my kids and stuff, there I'll be correcting Connor on something, and he'll say, "But Chloe did this thing, and she made me do it." You know, she made me kick her <laughs> you know that kind of idea all right and that's uh, you know that's only natural right um but you know trying to teach connor trying to teach him that kind of you have the power of choice here okay you know we can't make chloe do anything you can't make her list something and make it go over there she has to make her own decision on that you can ask her you can shout at her that kind of idea but chloe has the own power of choice and so do you okay so even if she kicks you you need to make a decision that's good <laughs> and not a decision that's normal and natural and Inevitable, maybe, but um, uh, again, it, the same goes for us, okay? It's, it's such a simple truth, but, you know, we get some good advice, and do we do it, do we not? Uh, um, we have that power of choice, and like again, well, like I'm trying to teach the teenagers, you can choose and do whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it, okay? Nobody's stopping you, okay? But we don't have to, a choice as far as the results are concerned, okay? It's out of our hands once we've made a choice further down the road, um, you know, so people can live like they can do anything they want or whatever, but the results are going to catch up with them fairly lively, okay? And that's what the Bible calls sowing and reaping, all right? A, reef, a whirlwind if we're or trying to go that kind of direction, all right? So um, in our case, you know, we're learning living in the kingdom of God, and these instructions are coming from who? The Lord, right? Yeah. And I'm used to asking people questions in teens, sorry, so I'm probably going to ask you a million questions. I get the teens answer, but you guys are just like, oh, maybe I'll pick on a few teens I can find in here. (laughs) All right. Um, They're from the Lord, from our King. All right. So I have this um, illustration, I thought it was cool. Um, Sir Leonard Wood once visited the King of France, and the King was so pleased with him, he invited him for dinner the next day. Um, Sir Leonard went to the palace, and the king meeting him in one of the halls said, Why, Sir Leonard, I did not expect to see you. How is it that you were here? And then Leonard says to him, Did not your majesty invite me to dine with you? Yes, replied the king, but you did not answer my invitation. And then, then it says here, then it, was that Sir, um, then it was that Sir Leonard uttered one of his choicest sentences of his life. He replied, A king's invitation is never to be answered, but to be obeyed. All right. So I just thought that was amazing, you know. Um, we shouldn't really be. Again, I, I bring up Connor all the time now, whatever. But you know, Connor always has a reason, like vacation, why he did this thing or that thing and that kind of thing. And I'm saying the only thing you need to worry about is, you know, doing what you were told. <laughs> all right. Um, but another thought that comes up when I mention that is, what? You know, I ask myself, what are we afraid of? You know, when people talk about obedience all the time. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, people talk about obedience all the time. And we know that obeying is good or it's profitable and that kind of thing. But I might ask myself, what are we afraid of, you know? I think a lot of the time people are afraid of, of obeying or, uh, you know, being under authority because authority is so often abused, okay? We like, you know, we get upset with the government, and we get upset with, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, um, you know, in the church even, the church leadership. It can be hard to, to follow you know, we, we just had planning meetings and pastors come up with all these crazy plans, you know? And, um, you know, pastor's just like waxing eloquent. He's like, we could do this, we could do that, we could get a roller coaster, you know? And then, you know, Eric and I each other going, we're the ones that are gonna have to get the roller coaster. You know, my goodness. You know, and we're like, um, pastor, do you think we could do without the roller coaster? You know? <laughs> this kind of thing, you know? But we're afraid to obey and to just do it, you know? And he's trying to say, it's like, let's push ahead. Let's have that vision. We're gonna look forward by faith oh, we're going to have so many visitors, you know, and we're just like, oh, man, you know, that's going to be stressful. I'm going to lose some hair, that kind of idea, you know. But we're, we're afraid in that sense of obeying. But one thing I will say about that is, you know, if you're listening to the Lord's word and you're hearing instructions from him, the Lord will never abuse his authority over you. He will never mistreat you. He will never leave or forsake you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And if you fall, you know, underneath are the everlasting arms, you know, and he'll give you the strength to get back up. If you would just look to him and um, so you know we don't really have anything to be afraid of if we're truly hearing it from the Lord um, and you know the thing that I tell myself sometimes as well when pastor is getting, has all his crazy projects and stuff like that is you know if we don't carry it out what will happen you know what 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 won't happen maybe I should say like that you know maybe we won't have as much outreach or maybe one person mightn't be mightn't come or something like that you know it, there's there's eternal consequences, you know, to the decisions that we make. And it's just, you know, that's probably a good burden to have, you know, just like, you know, that we should push forward. We don't want to burn out, but we do want to push forward. And we do want to, to believe God for some amazing things, okay? And in this case, back in Second Kings, just by way of um, a summary about those two points that I gave, um, the results were were great. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get back here. I didn't keep my finger in Second Kings 6. Oops. Um, right here you go. So he saved himself there, not once nor twice. And um, so there's more good, good fruit from his decision to obey Elisha. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, "Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel?" And one of his servants said, "None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel. Tell it the king." of Israel, the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber, okay? So, um, so there was safety and deliverance for the king of Israel, and there was um, frustration, <laughs> and um, I don't know what the word for confounded is, confoundation, <laughs> okay? The enemy was confounded in that sense, okay? Um, so that's why the Bible says things like, submit yourselves therefore, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So it's better for the devil to be confounded and frustrated than for us, right? Who would you rather? <laughs> okay. But a lot of times, you know, yeah, we uh, bring it upon ourselves. Okay. So the concept of warfare, okay, does, if, if you did all that, you were listening and you're hearing instructions and you're doing blah, 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 does that mean that you'll have no problems? No, no. All right. <laughs> so here um, in verse 13, the devil says, well, if I, if, well, this is the king of Syria. I'm saying that he's a, a shadow or a picture of. Of our enemy um, the devil okay so he says here and he said go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him and it was told him beho- saying behold he is in Dothan therefore sent he thither their horses and chariots and a great host and they came by night and compassed the city about okay so obviously in your battle and you take a shot and you miss the guy that you were aiming for or whatever you know it's not time to pack up your gun or whatever and and um, get boots off the ground and go home that kind of thing It's just time to do something else. Okay, so the same way with the devil. Just because you overcame, you know, at 9 a.m. one day and you made a good decision, right? Remember about the pillow? You got up or whatever it was. Should be earlier than nine, right? (laughs) Um, Doesn't mean that your day is going to be sorted. Now I always thought that, you know, um, uh, when I was new Christian, I was like, you know, pastor was like, um, you know, you got to read your Bible and pray every day, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, one day I texted him. I said, look, I don't have a lot of time. Which one should I do if I had, if I only had the choice to do one? Should I read the Bible or should I pray? And he replied, both. (laughs) I'm like, oh, can't win. All right, don't try and argue with Pastor. All right, so um, and then uh, um, getting to my points or whatever. So I did those things. Um, and then I was wondering why I still had problems at 2 p.m. in the day. And I'm like, I read my Bible and I prayed this morning. I was all spiritual. Why do I have this problem here? You know, why, Lord, why? You know, (laughs) um, and you know, it's kind of silly. I was just ignorant to the fact that you know, if you're in warfare, just because. You're not shot at at nine. Doesn't mean you're not going to get shot at at two. In that kind of idea, okay. So the devil here is like, okay, well that avenue didn't work. Let's try a different strategy. So he's going to try and cut off the source of intelligence. You know, intelligence is so important. Um, The CIA and I think we all hear about these guys or whatever. So if if we don't have good intelligence to act upon, you know, countries make bad decisions and that kind of thing. So in this sense, if we're not getting those instructions and things to be able to heed or obey, then um, we're going to be in trouble. Okay. So he's trying to cut off. Elisha from being able to get those messages to um, um, King of Israel there you go okay so um, you know I said there that um, the devil might try and stop us from from reading our Bible or praying and stuff he might try and stop us from getting to church he might discourage us from going to some sort of a fellowship where we're going to get some good advice or we're going to get encouraged as we're around one another that sort of thing he's going to try and cut off our link okay and um, this is what he does here okay so I kind of talked about the normal reaction already but um you know when we do get into a difficult situation when it does come upon us okay and we know all the right things to do oh I should do this and I should do that there still is a temptation to worry and that's what happened here to not Elisha but his servant okay servants following I think it's Gehazi I'm not sure someone could back me up on that one but um the servant was risen um, in verse 15 early, and um, he he went, it says, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? All right, so that's often, um, you know, I've probably said that, not not, not in the exact biblical s- script there, but um, we definitely, it's easy to get discouraged about things, okay? Okay. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, "Why do we love all these stories? We love, I love, um, stories about um, insurmountable odds and facing impossible situations." You know, when we read books about it, there was that guy in World War, there was a World War Two or something, and he got, um, he became a POW of the Japanese. He was like an Olympic runner or something. Do you remember that story? Anyone know what I'm talking about? And he, the the, the POW director guy, the Japanese fella took a dislike to him and really mistreated him and um, was very horrible to him. Um, but he, he, he had a real um, indomitable spirit and he didn't get discouraged and um, he faced this uh, director off even though being a prisoner and the guy has a lot of um, authority over him and he survived for one and um, you know to the end of the war and that kind of thing and it was just an amazing story. I forgot what the name of his called now. We all love those kind of stories. You're probably gonna to go to the cinema or open up your Netflix or whatever, and you're like, oh, that sounds like a great story there, you know, that battle or this person who um, just was disadvantaged in their upbringing, or whatever, but they made it and they did this or they accomplished that. Um, Thomas Edison, all these kind of people. Um, but we love when other people overcome stuff, right? But when it comes personal, <laughs> when it's us facing an impossible situation that we get a bit, um, you know, uh, more realistic about it, <laughs> you know. It's easy to talk to someone else and it be like, you know, Patrick, it's going to be right, you know, it'll be well with your soul, you'll get through it, just keep praying, maybe fasting, I don't know. But, uh, you yeah. know, and then we get to walk away from that problem and go home, right? Okay? But when it's us, oh, alas, my master, how shall we do? Okay? Um, And this is where the rubber meets the road, Um, you know, I think we're very quick to name something impossible when it has to do with us. (laughs) Um, What do I have written here now, I don't know, Um, yeah, are you in an impossible situation? Um, I'll go to this first, you know, I've already kind of said, you know, it's easy to read about someone else, but this is Paul's mindset going into an impossible situation or perceived impossible situation in Second Corinthians 12. I'll start in verse 9, and he says, um, just while you're going there, I'll read verse 9. And he said unto me, this is Paul begging the Lord three times to get a thorn, remove that thorn that he had in his flesh, okay? And um, the Lord answered, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, Paul says, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, Therefore, I take pleasure, pleasure in infirmities, pleasure in reproaches, pleasure in incess- necessities, pleasure in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. All right. um, so this is the kind of mindset we need to put on. Um, and it's a, it's a mindset of faith. You know, who, who are we trusting in? We're trusting in the Lord God, and there's nothing impossible for him, okay? And I know we tend to justify that then, we're like, if nothing's impossible for him, but does he want this for me? Like, this answer that I want, does he want that for me? Or, I know he's going to answer me, but what if he says no, and this kind of stuff. And we have that struggle, okay? And, um, you know, when we're facing an impossible situation, then, um, you know, a lot of people, they tend to turn to other things, they... they um, they can't face life, you know, without some sort of a stimulant or some sort of a, um, a pick-me-up, or they, they're afraid to face life without a certain person, um, you know. But Paul says, you know, when I'm, when I'm in that place where I'm so weak and I'm just hurting and something, he says, oh, I take pleasure in that because that's when I can turn to the Lord and know that He is looking after me, He's never going to leave me but he's able and he, he can do those things that I know I can't do, okay? And he can look after that situation and turn the heart of kings and do amazing things. You know, like uh, I was talking to Ruth about this. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the impossible stories that I was talking about there, in the end, they're not really impossible be- because someone overcome, overcame them um, with their own strength. They were just unlikely, unlikely victories and that kind of thing, okay? But I found that the only impossible stories that I've read really are stories in here, okay? And why do I say that, okay? Um, The impossible stories that are here are, are literally impossible for man to do. Man cannot save himself. That's an impossible situation, like genuinely impossible. There's no chance, no ratio, no one in one million, one in two billion chance that that's gonna happen. It's just impossible. But the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Okay, and that's why we're trusting in a great Savior with a strong arm who wants to show Himself strong in your life and in mine. Okay, and so the temptation is to see by faith, or to see by sight. But I'm reading ahead of head here. Instead, we need to see by faith. So we've got a cool contrast here: the servant, alas, my master. Okay, and Elisha, he's not worrying. Let's read here in. Um, Verse 16, he says, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Okay, so he promises or he assures his servant that everything would be okay. And um, like Paul, he says, you know, I just believe God, you know, so it's going to be okay. Remember when he was facing that ship, um, the ruin of the ship was going to sink and that kind of stuff and everybody's worried for their life. And he stood up and he said, you know, he's heard from the Lord and that nobody's going to be harmed. Everyone's going to be okay because God is, God is going to look after the situation. Um, so um, so we need, we basically just need to see with those eyes that the Lord sees with our situation, okay? Um, another example here I have um, it says here according to the theory of aerodynamics, and as can be readily proven by wind tunnel experiments, the bumblebee is unable to fly. <laughs> this is because the size of its wings in relation to the size of its body makes flying impossible. But the bumblebee, being unacquainted with these scientific truths, goes ahead and flies anyway and gathers a little honey every day. <laughs> I thought that was nice. All right. Um, so, talking about truly impossible situations, you know, even in my own life, I could ask my sister, you know, before I was saved, did you think that I'd ever come to church? No, yeah. That was an impossible situation, you know? Or, um, you know, I wanted to add, do you. Do you think that there was times in your life when you thought you'd never be free from drink? Yeah. Um, but the Lord can turn those things around. You know, in my life, I never ever really wanted to go to church. That was giving me the gospel and things like that. And he was playing all sorts of um, uh, sermons and things in the car because he would bring me places. I'd, I was a college student, so I needed this. <laughs> and... Um, He'd play sermons from UCB Radio, United Christian Brothers, and things of like that. And then um, when I got home, there'd be DVDs on, and he'd be like, did you see this thing here, you know, uh, creation evolution, and you know, then these videos, they sold their souls for rock and roll and stuff of like that. And then um, I'd sit down and watch for a little while or whatever, and I'd be like, Ugh, that's silly. And then he'd be playing all this Christian music, which really got under my skin at the time. I, I remember this one song, I hated it with a passion. It was, it was called Do Lord and these guys were having a great time, and they were singing, do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do remember me, oh, Lord, do Lord. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, will you turn that off, Ted, please? Yeah. It's like, it's my stereo, I can leave it on if I want to. <laughs> so we had our fair share of arguments and all that kind of stuff, you know? And um, one day I came home, and um, he had played uh, UCB, and they were talking about hell, and uh, I was like, all right, Dad, like, how do you uh, how do you get saved, like, you know? And dad had a heart attack then. He was like, oh my goodness. uh..." And he he got his discipleship book and he went to lesson one biblical salvation. Turn here, turn here, turn here, you know, la la la. And um, I don't think I was getting it really that day. And he was like, look, 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 do you want to go to heaven, yes or no? And I was like, who wants to go? That's stupid, that's a stupid question, you know? He was like, well, then let's pray, you know? And um, that that was just innocently just just trying to do what he could, you know? And um, I prayed, but the next Sunday then, Dad got jumped up in the morning or whatever, and um, I was coming out of my room, and he's coming downstairs. He was like, "John, you want to come to church this morning?" And I was like, "No." (laughs) And then Dad was like, "Ah, you know." Um, So, but that was that was that was a close call, you know. The fact that I was asking questions, it was starting the turn, you know. And it wasn't for another while later then that uh, basically it was a Christmas, and. um, uh, Dad was staying encouraged anyway, and he was like, "We're not going to a Catholic church this Christmas because we're not Catholic." <laughs> and he was like, "We're going to go to the Baptist church. Come on, come on!" You know, I'm like, "Oh, fine. You know, I'll go to church because it's Christmas, and you know, how can I open presents without going to church? You know, <laughs> that would be rude." <laughs> so I went. You know, and pastor was preaching here, and he was preaching about um, spiritual warfare. Funnily enough, and um, I just thought it was the best thing ever. I was like, oh, "That was really interesting." You know. You know, pastor teaches at a college level, and he just puts out all the scriptures, and he's like, "Oh, you know, read it and weep." You know, <laughs> if you have a different opinion to what the Bible says, you know. And I just had to come back, and then I took away that very same discipleship lesson with me. I was living in Ennis at the time, went up, and I went through it at night, one of the nights in January, and um, I got to the end. You know, are you saved? Yes, no. Circle one. You know, <laughs> and I knew, I knew at that point that it was a no. And the Lord had me, the Lord's Spirit was there, and um, you know, I, I knew that I needed to be saved, and that's when I cried out to the Lord to be saved. Um, just knew that I wasn't i wasn't ever going to deserve heaven. There was nothing I could do to undo that. And um, I got saved, that was January 2006, and um, that started a big roller coaster. Ride. I keep mentioning roller coasters now. Um, uh, I started coming to church, I would drive down from Ennis every weekend, and then eventually I said, ah, I don't want to live in Ennis anymore, I'm going to be closer to the church. And, I went to men's camp and uh, missions conference and Buddy Blanco came over and it was just amazing, amazing start like that. You know, that whole honeymoon period when you first get saved. So, um, you know, I say all that just to say, you know, um, as I said already, it says in Luke 18, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Okay, And I don't know what you're going through, you know, um, but the Lord does. The Lord knows. And, you know, it's not as if... um, not as if he's not thinking about it, if you know what I mean by that, or working, working through your situation, all right? But, you know, a lot of the times we just don't sit still and we don't let him work, you know? Um, we tend to try and fix it ourselves, which, you know, is uh, unfortunate for us, <laughs> okay? But, um, look, I, I just wanted to um, kind of just spell out what I learned from Second Kings 6, okay? So the whole foundation, is why this brick here, it says acknowledge spiritual warfare, you know, just... Just try, you know, and um, when well, I suppose, you know, in, in, in your spirit, you're going to be able to perceive as you walk with the Lord, you're going to be able to perceive struggles, resistance, trials and things with a different light as you're in your Bible, as you're going to church, that kind of thing, you know, as you just have a, a mind of prayer, as you're just going about your day, okay? And if, if you start with that, you can build upon that then, like we were learning You can defend yourself. So there's two lines of defense and two lines of offense, it looks like. Um, Defend yourself by listening for instruction, okay? So, you you know, the whole thing they say, knowledge is power. Yeah, it's one step, okay? You do have to know, okay? How shall they hear the gospel, you know? How shall they know that they need to be saved? You do need to know, okay? But you do need to defend yourself by obeying. You do need to act upon those things that you hear. There's no point, you know, knowing that you need to get saved, but just not going about it or not saying that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, you know, that kind of idea. That's not going to, help. It's going to help you. It's not going to help anyone, okay? And then you fight by faith. You fight by putting on that mindset that Elisha had. Elisha saw the same thing, very same thing, and his Twitter comments and his Facebook posts and stuff were totally different to how the servant saw the situation, okay? One was fake news, right? <laughs> um, so there's a perception there. You know, And through God's word, through prayer, through just communing with God in your spirit, you can see things that other people don't see, um, that aren't visible physically or whatever, but are that are true, okay? And you can also fight by prayer, I don't have time to get into this, but obviously if you keep reading the story, in verse 17 it says, and Elisha prayed, okay? And that was, that was how he, you know, it, it says when you put on the whole armor of God, it says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer, okay? Um, so he actually fought by prayer and he kept praying through the situation and long story short, the, all the guys were defeated and they ended up in the middle of Israel. And um, again, that same, uh, a similar scripture to Luke 9 when, uh, when James and John said, shall we, smite, or, um, shall we command the fire come down or whatever? When Elisha brought all the bad guys into the middle of Israel, then the king of Israel said, um, shall we smite them father? You know? And um, he was like, no, no, give them bread and water to drink and send them back home. But, um, so there was a different battle going on there. And, um, Elisha, you know, Elisha wasn't really any special person. He's a man of like passions, like as we are. We expect him to do all these wonderful things, right? Cause we read it in the Bible and it's so easy and it's him and it's not us, but he had the same flesh we had, we have, and, um, he accomplished many great things. And so those things that you feel are impossible in your life, you know, they can be possible through the Lord, if it be his will. All right. So that's, basically what I learned from this, um, I hope that was an encouragement to you guys, um, definitely was cool to, to look at it and to, to see where I'm falling short with these things or where I need to work on you know. So if you guys could just stand, I'm just going to pray and um, we'll finish up. I suppose heads bows and eyes closed. You know, I just I guess I just have to ask you, how is your spiritual sight? you know how are you how are you doing with perceiving all this warfare? you know is it just inconveniences in your life or things that, problems that other people are bringing upon you, it's their fault or things of like that, you know um, or could there be another way to see it that maybe the Lord would have you to see it in a different light? Because the Bible says, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. the Lord loveth the righteous. So you know, like I said with that final point there, you know all we have to do is just talk to the Lord about it. We can fight by prayer we can address these situations in a different light you know with the lord's help and you know what might you say but just like psalm 119 it says open down mine eyes that, that i may behold wondrous things out of thy love and those things can apply to your life so um you know you're not going to get answer to prayer if you're not praying <laughs> it's very simple so um but think of the person that we're praying to he's the god of the impossible and he's someone that can can do Truly impossible things and He could do them in your life since the world began Was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind it says in John 9 and that's an amazing thing um, You should check up Isaiah 61 as well. So I'm just gonna pray Father pray that you would just help us Lord to see things in a different light, to see things the way you see them Lord um, It's easy for us to read about Elisha and how easy it was for him to overcome a whole host of army Lord and to um, protect the country of Israel but I'm um, when we try to turn those truths around and put them into our lives, Lord, you know, how easily do we get discouraged about the, the troubles that we face in our lives, Lord? So I just pray for if there's anyone here that isn't saved, Lord, and I pray that you would just um, help them, Lord, to see that they aren't saved, to acknowledge that, Lord, and to um, also see that um, Jesus is the only way, Lord, that his arms are outstretched, Lord, and whoops, whoever will, he invites to come, Lord. Um, and he can make them alive, Lord, inside, who were previously dead, and he can uh, reserve a home for them in heaven, and he can do many things, Lord, that we can't do. Um, I pray for those who are going through a trial. Um, pray that you, Lord, um, they will come to you for wisdom, listen for instruction, Lord, and uh, with a with a heart to obey as well, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just um, give them reassurance as well that you're with them in the trial. And um, let's pray, Lord, for anyone who might be just little hard-hearted, Lord. Maybe um, there's a sin we know we're holding on to, Lord, that we can't seem to let go, Lord. You can do the impossible, and um, you can give us a soft heart, Lord, a trusting heart, just to believe you, knowing that you're not going to um, abuse us with your authority. You're not going to mistreat us, Lord. You love us very much, and um, you just want it to be well with us, Lord, um, and that's why we ought to um, just soak ourselves and saturate ourselves in your word and in prayer and in fellowship and just um, be a church, Lord. So we just love you, Lord pray that you would just be with um, anyone here who has a need, Lord, and um, uh, I pray, Lord, that you would just do the work that only you can do. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would just bless us now as we go home, and um, we just love you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.